would I be without you? Really? You trusted him? Well, welcome back to 512FM. This is the third episode of a podcast that's all about branding, design, creativity, humanity, and basically anything that feels good for the week. I am your host, Clarissa Nash, owner and director of 512 Studio. Today's episode is going to be about online scams, cost by influencers. Now, let me let me explain this. It's not necessarily caused by influencers, but we're going to talk a little bit about how influencer marketing can perpetuate or encourage scams that happen by online entrepreneurs, online businesses, music festivals that aren't supposed to be. So yes, we are going to touch on Fire Festival. It has been one of those events that I knew nothing about until it started to unfold and unravel at the seams, all because of a grilled cheese sandwich that went online. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll also kind of get into how influencer marketing can be used as good toward the end of the show because I want to end on a positive note. So let's get started. The first thing we're going to do is just dive right on in to Fire Festival. A little brief summary for people who have been in a black hole (laughs) about this. Fire Festival was supposed to be held April 2017, where about 400 people were supposed to gather for a three-day music festival filled with bands, booze, and probably drugs. Um, On average, each person spent about $40,000 to stay in lavish tents, while influencers such as Bella Hadid, Haley, now... Bieber Baldwin and Kendall Jenner partied it up in villas. It was supposed to be the time of their lives, a -a one-of-a-kind experience, and it just never happened. And in fact, if you read different articles about it on like Vice and Vox Media, they say it was really not supposed to happen. It was supposed to be this thing that helped launch this Fire app that was supposed to help book artists uh, if you wanted to, you know, have them perform at your birthday party or some event, which right there goes to show that it definitely wasn't targeted toward me because one, I don't think if I wanted to book Beyonce for like my 35th, which is a goal, um, don't think that I would use an app to do it. And I don't think that she would actually be on the app. So it's, You can tell it was definitely geared toward those upper class, that 1% millennial group. Uh, Again, and the the influencers that were used to promote this, uh, Haley Baldwin and and Kendall Jenner, Bella Hadid, aren't people that I follow necessarily. And that's not an insult to who they are. I just don't follow them. So that's a huge reason why I probably didn't see anything about an orange square all on the feed is the word I'm looking for um, until this whole thing imploded and exploded and it was kind of funny. Not It was kind of funny in some ways and not, but we'll get to that later. So what was Fire Festival? Fire Festival, again, was this supposed to be a three-day music event that was much like Coachella before the upper middle 
millennial class group of people that was masterminded by a tech entrepreneur named Billy McFarlane, who basically has spent his entire life scamming people. When you watch the Netflix and the Hulu documentary, he I feel like he started when he was younger saying that he could fix somebody's broken crayon. And then it went on into creating this credit card debit thing called Magnesis, which was supposed to be an exclusive, supposed to have perks, and it was supposed to be this exclusive thing that got you into like certain restaurants and townhomes and and stuff in New York. Like I said, it's so above my my pay rate, <laughs> above my income level that I never paid attention to it. Uh, that failed. He had another tech startup that also failed because Google Plus came along, which coincidentally also failed. So I don't know, y'all. I, I was watching this and I'm like, there's no good track record of all of this. And then on top of that, he had a couple of people that were working with him, including rapper Ja Rule. Now, let me explain Ja Rule as someone who was 33 and grew up when he was at his height. The only thing I knew about Ja Rule, or I know about Ja Rule, is that he did that bomb song with with J-Lo, which I can't play because I don't have the money to play the clip of it. <laughs> but he did a other couple of bops. But, like, Ja Rule in 2017, 18, 19? I don't know, man. It, that would have been another red flag for me. But again, I wasn't the target audience, apparently. So they were coming up with all these different ways to do this music festival and really catering to people. People started to buy it because, of course, you have these powerhouses who were paid $250,000 to post on Instagram. I post for free. And, like, these people have the material, and all they have to do is post it. They don't have to create it. They don't have to you create content or write a caption for it. They literally only had to post it and got $250,000. And not to, not to like, insult the hustle, because I'm, I'm definitely not. Like, pay me $250,000 to do nothing but post. That's a student loan. And, you know, I can splurge and get some guacamole from Chipotle. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's so dumb and so crazy how they have to do nothing but exist. And these particular influencers have all of this money, too. So everybody kind of started to fall in love and fall in line with that. And then they get to this island. They were supposed to ride on a first class plane. And then they ride on this, I call it a regular airplane, but I mean something you wouldn't expect more like a spirit airline versus like a, a American airline I guess right and then they got escorted to this island with buses on school buses mind you as opposed to like a nice kind of luxury bus um, in which one of the stories is they had to get out of the bus so that it could make it up the hill so <laughs> you, can, you can only imagine spending all of this money to have to get out just so the bus can make it up the hill. You guys, I can't go all the way into it. It'll be a whole a whole episode of uh, of the Fire Festival, but but it's very important to watch both films. Like I said, I think one does better than the other. Um and and you know, just 
the whole thing from Blink-182 backing out all the way down to to, to it, the tents not being luxury tents. And they're actually FEMA tents. It's just, it's it's amazing and it's crazy how much went on into planning this and hyping this up for it to be nothing. And while we all laughed, because as the story unfolded, I'm not going to lie, me and my friends were in our group chat laughing our butts off. But as the story unfolded, and we're watching, especially in the Netflix, they did a really good job in the Netflix documentary highlighting what happened to the locals that were supposed to be paid all of this money and got scammed by by Billy McFarlane himself and Grant and all these other people that are involved. And those are the people I felt incredibly bad for And then you go back and you look at the situation and if you're looking at someone who, you know, some looking at it from a perspective of marketing, you wonder how is it that one, the influencers didn't get any kind of reprimand, you know, didn't get reprimanded. You know, there's one side of it that says, you know what, they didn't know. They had no idea that this was happening. And then on the other hand, you have like, well, they didn't know. And why didn't they just donate their money to you know, the 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 people in the Bahamas who got screwed, those workers, the people who were in the restaurants, those are the people that should have, you know, gotten that money from them because they're not hurting. And and it's true. You know, Kendall Jenner did not have to file for bankruptcy because of what's happened with Fire Festival. At the same time, you can also argue fairly that this isn't Kendall Jenner's fault necessarily. So I can see both sides, but I'm very team give the you know give those people donate those people their money because they deserve it and they really really hurt worse at the end of this. Now there's an episode to, or there's a part in the Netflix documentary about some water that I know some of you want me to touch on. I'm not gonna do it on here, but just know that there's taking one for the team and then there's that and. I refuse. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very crazy how like in the at the end of it, you know, there were people that were charged. There were people who ended up going to prison, not just because of this scam, but because it led to the opening of a, a bunch of other scams that happened. And so it's it's again very interesting how much influencer marketing really played into this. Now the good thing, if you will that came out of it is that now there really are regulations by um, the FCC that says you have to state that if something is an ad or you're being paid to post the content, that it has to be clear. You can't put that in tiny letters like, you know, like in the car commercials where it has all those that really teeny tiny font that you can barely read and no one pays attention to. You have to state clearly, I am being paid to work with X, Y, and Z brand to do ABC, and I, th- that's good. Just kind of wish that happened earlier. So, well, like I said, we'll we'll definitely get in touch with that. But wanted to touch on the fire festival because that is probably the craziest story of scam, fraud, marketing, social media marketing uh, that I've ever really read and. It, it kind of poses the question, how could someone be, like, 
no one knew who what fire festival was until there was this orange square that disrupted the flow of how maybe one scrolls through a person's social media account encourage them to spend tens of thousands of dollars for a three-day festival that like no one really heard of you know that wasn't coachella it wasn't it it wasn't burning man or or i can't think of the other one right now it's it's just insane <laughs> so put a pin in that we will circle back around to influencers and and talk about their that whole experience but like i said put a pin in that we're going to move on to another story though so there's also a story that came out and again i said i wasn't going to mention names and kind of my in my kind of pump up about this because I don't want to sit there and let this be an episode of me calling people out, but I do want it to I did want to talk about this one in particular, and I'm only calling out this person's name because she gave her whole side to BuzzFeed, and so her name is already out there. It's a story that's easily Googleable, which is now a word. Um, so that's really the only reason why I'm I'm saying her name, but I just want to put out there that I'm not sitting here trying to just call out people and giving the tea about who's who's fake, who's not. And I'm also going to be very sensitive in how I'm telling this person's story because I have my own opinions that I'm not going to really share right now, and I don't want it to come off as bullying. So all of that to say. A story came out recently about an influencer named Carolyn Calloway, and she made her scene documenting her life from New York to Cambridge, falling in love, only to fall out of love. Her pictures are very, you know, they're very, they're very cute. It's something that would attract a particular audience that she is trying to attract. She is definitely, in terms of her content, what people would say as an influencer's kind of, you know, dream in terms of her having the bright, sunny angles and her having this, you know, having her outfits together and at the right places and she has the backdrop down and everything else, right? Uh, She was even offered a book deal with a cash advance of $500,000 to write about her adventures and most likely kind of play it up for a fiction novel. But then, as we saw on social, on her account, the book deal started to fall apart. And kudos to her, she kept a very positive spin on everything. Because I don't know, if I lost out on $500,000 and I had to pay it back, I wouldn't know what to do. First of all, I would be like, how do I tell Sally Mae that I need that money back? Because that's what I would have paid off first the student loans. But that's neither here nor there. Um... But yeah, it it didn't dwindle down her following at all because she kept she kept going and kept pushing this kind of long form content where she would post a picture on Instagram, for example, and then she would have this long kind of detailed caption that really connected to almost like a blog on on Instagram. And she and came up with an idea to do a creative workshop in New York, Boston, and DC. Uh, one of the things she promoted was her cooking these super salads that I guess she was very prone to. Now, I say all of this because I have never heard of her until this story kind of broke. So, excuse me for not knowing 100% about her. Um, she 
offered coffee with oat milk, which I guess now oat milk is a huge thing, and handwritten letters and a learning opportunity of a lifetime in this really great airy space full of plants for only $165. And except it wasn't. It didn't happen. You know, people purchased the event tickets from Boston, from, from D.C., from Philly, and then she came back and she was like, everybody, let's just do it in New York where she's based at. at. And and most people were like, hey, we can't travel. We, we can't afford to travel to New York. Like, please just come here. And then she had, I guess, a team meeting that said, hey, why don't we all meet in in New York? And that's the best idea. According to my audience, they'd rather just come to New York, which I would love to just go to New York. But if I live, I live outside of New York. I can't just pack my bags and go because it's expensive to you. And then she just decided to cancel it all together. Again, if you read the story, uh, they covered it in BuzzFeed, uh, W Magazine, a couple of other places. It just, it, it was very weird. It's a very weird situation that happened all together. Uh, to her credit, though, when she went to BuzzFeed, she said, hey, I wanted to create an experience that would be my perfect weekend day, uh, the cozy acoustic music in a plant-filled, uh, plant-filled space. Quote, if I had none, if I had known how hard it was, I would have never tried, end quote. And again, this is what Callaway herself told BuzzFeed News as the story started to to kind of blow up and people were upset and wanted their refund, um, it, it started to really perpetuate throughout the the internet, on social media, particularly on Twitter. So it's, like I said, it it's crazy. But moving on, you know, maybe you can give her the benefit of the doubt. She may have not known. She may have thought, hey, I can create this whole creative workshop, no big deal, we'll just find some places, and it's fine, and and maybe it's a hard lesson that she learned, whereas I think with the fire Festival, it, it, he was kind of in denial, he was like, I didn't do anything, tell me when I scammed off people, tell me how I stole people's money, so he was kind of, he being Billy, was kind of in this denial about everything that he did, where I feel like Caroline Calloway like I said, giving her the benefit of the doubt was like, all right, this is a lot harder than it looks. And to even quote more from the article, she said, quote, I said I didn't plan this because I'm dumb, but that's not true, Uh, end quote. She corrected herself and then said, quote, I didn't plan well because I didn't know. I would be dumb if I did it again like this, end quote. Now, as of last Wednesday, she uncanceled her tour. So honestly, who knows what's going on right now? I think she's possibly going back out to Philly and and going back to Boston and doing what she's supposed to do and actually taking the time to plan. And honestly, I hope so. I hope that it is a lesson learned. I hope that it's something that she postponed, but then she decided, hey, um, let's make this better, let's actually plan this out more, let's have a venue set, because a venue wasn't set, she just said, hey, we're going to do this on this day, place to be announced, and then that was that. So, like I said, to Caroline's benefit, I don't 
want to go in and go, you're a scammer, you're terrible. Whereas with Billy, you were terrible and you scammed people. And I still cannot believe that Ja Rule was a part of this, didn't get any kind of any kind of reparation and reparation didn't get didn't get reprimanded for any of this stuff and that people saw Ja Rule's name and was like yes because what would I be without you him him I'm sorry I'm sorry that like it doesn't make any sense to me so but what do Caroline and Billy have in common when with other with other people that hold events that may or may not happen or may not live in, up to expectations. So everyone's an influencer, whether we know it or not, whether we want to admit it or not. Right now, especially with influencers with large followings, the word and the term influencer has a very negative connotation. It's like, oh, you're an influencer? I guess you don't do anything. And when you watch the Hulu documentary and someone says, you know, the question was asked, how do you define a brand? And one of the people who, two of the people who who decide that they are influencers, they're their own brands, they say, oh, it's just about, you know, spreading positivity and it's about, you know, being nice and kind and yeah, just spreading positivity. And I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You can tell that there's really not any research into what they're doing and what they want to do and why, right? There are people who are influencers that I will get to in a minute that really do research. You know, if they're they're part of this wellness train, for example, or the the which is can be problematic in and of itself. They really do care about the wellness lifestyle because maybe it comes from a uh, a history of of their own. They went through depression or they dealt with sobriety and so they want to help people and put a face on that to help people overcome and so they partner with brands that mirror their message and it's just like we talked about with the episode with Christina saying if the brand doesn't match the value you know your values and I don't work with them and there are a lot of influencers who believe that and then there are influencers who just kind of work because they want to check to each their own, I'm not that person. But again, that's why there's such a negative view on influencers. That's why people roll their eyes with influencers because it's like, ugh, you're just trying to peddle a product so that, you know, you can tell me it's good, but you don't really use it. And I will say to the effect of those who kind of get the the influencers from uh that's not what I was trying to say for those of for those who see influencers right I think that that is more about those who are kind of those like bravo celebrities those that are on VH1 and they do the the tea tummy teas or the hair vitamins or whatever it is those are the people I think kind of get the wrong kind of show that hey we're influencers and it's like no not everybody's peddling I call it constipation tea because I feel like it's just a laxative in a tea it's like smooth move but not regulated at all so (laughs) all that to say is I think that is kind of what an influencer is to a lot of people the the Kardashians and everything that 
advertise the tea lollipops or whatever it is. And they get the backlash of it because it's like, you don't have a job. All you do is wear tight sweatsuits and pedal diet pills. And I get it because the people who have the millions and millions of followers that are peddling all of these products really are shining a very negative light on something that is very useful in this day and age for social media marketing, for brands and for companies who have events coming up and they're legit events <laughs> that are coming up. It's, it, again, it's how do we solve that balance? How, how do we find that balance? How do we distinguish between a legit influencer or brand ambassador who really believes in the product, who's used the product and is finally like, yay, I can work with them versus someone who's just trying to get paid because, oh, your name is so-and-so and you can bring this brand awareness by just posting and you don't have to do any content or create any content. We'll create it for you. You just put it out there. And I think and in, in that is something that is very hard to do as somebody who is very a skeptical of anything <laughs> that I see online. I want to test it first. I want to see if it works. I'm not going to get something just because influencer A, B, and C said, you know, said to get it. But at the same time, if someone that I know, that I follow, that I trust says to, you know, they love this particular line because not only are they conscious of the environment, but they don't have certain chemicals in it or whatever, I'm probably going to listen to them more, even if they do have tens of millions of followers. But there's there's someone by the name of Shetha Kale Up, who I adore, and a lot of things that she talks about that she uses, I look into because I believe that she comes from an authentic heart, and I don't think that she is peddling anything that just to make money. I, I don't think that's her MO. We've, I don't know her by any means, but we've chatted enough, so she's also very engaging with her, with her audience, which is so huge when it comes to being a brand ambassador or, or an influencer. You want to be able to ask questions. You want to be able to say, hmm, this is interesting, but, and you want them to be able to answer you back genuinely and not as a robot to say, oh, no, it's good, because then again, you lose trust, and that's what gives them a bad name. So understand that when marketers do use influencers, they know that there's a viral quality Right, And everybody, this idea of wanting to go viral is a huge thing. It's something that makes brands, makes their product well-known, and it's publicity that you really can't buy. And, it, it, again, it's a good, it's a bad thing. If you do it correctly, it's a great thing. You want that stuff to catch on as a business. You want something to be viral for yourself. And... Then it goes a little bit further, not only with just them being on Instagram, right? Because the social media has been created for people to be so accessible and to be closer than 20 years ago when it was just kind of like they were just on TV and you're hoping that maybe one day you can see them or you can meet them. But now these influencers who have the celebrity status 
start to have events sponsored by whoever they're a brand ambassador of. And so whether they're hosting an event or having a workshop, you jump at the chance to go. And in your mind, you're like, I have to be there, which is what is common with the Fire Festival and and Caroline Calloway's workshops. It's this person that was online. I am now getting a chance to see them in person. And I went and saw the fitness marshal, which if you don't know who that is, you should look at him. He's amazing. He has these dance workout videos on YouTube and he has backup booties, which are his backup dancers. And it was cool to go from being on Facebook and and following him on Instagram and YouTube to going to an event that he had in Dallas and meeting him. Like that that's awesome. So I totally understand from an audience point of view, a quote unquote fan point of view why you would want to go to a chance to see this person if they're in your town and they're not you know, celebrity status. I mean, there are celebrity status, but they're not, you know, I guess I keep saying Beyonce level because come on, Beyonce, Oprah, that's the level of celebrity that's at the highest. And you, you just feel like you have to be there and and you want to be where the people are. And everything and anything is worth it, right? With Fire Festival, people dropping tens and thousands of dollars and selling items and leaving some bills unpaid, you know, just to go to this once once in a lifetime event is something that makes you obsessed. Like you fall for the bait. And people know this. People who start these scams, people who start and I the scammer would be more a fire festival in this case than Caroline Calloway, but people they know what they're doing. They know that people have this this need to want to be part of something bigger than their everyday life. And I don't think that people would have fallen for things like the Fire Festival without the promise of big names. If you didn't have good music, which is Kanye and some other people under his label, if you didn't have um, Kendall Jenner hosting a yacht party and strategize it to hook in those people that so desperately love them because the thing and the appeal with the Kardashians is that they weren't really anybody famous until they had a show and you can debate how they got the show off the podcast but all that to say is they weren't really anyone and now they're these millionaires millionaires however you want to however you seek it and now they're being used to to help other people again host these events that weren't really going to happen but it makes it look good and it wouldn't have worked if you had everyday Sally from nowhere Missouri but it just wouldn't have worked the same way people wouldn't have cared again these media companies these marketing companies know exactly what they're doing when they're pushing and putting influencers in the front of their business and you might be you know but at the end of the day it's always a cautionary tale when you look at events like this like fire festival to be careful of who you trust, who you're giving your money to, because you're making yourself broke. Now, granted, these millennials aren't making themselves broke, but say there was somebody else who had 10 million followers, they promised a workshop, and it's supposed to be the bee's knees, and it's supposed to change your life forever, and nothing happens. For some people, a spare $165 
is a lot of money. And I know for me, if I had a spare $165, that's going into savings. That's going into my business. That's not going to somebody who's holding a workshop unless I really, really trust them. If I know them, if I've communicated with them, if I have that gut feeling that this is going to be good, then maybe. But I'm not, I just can't, I don't have the money or the funds. And a lot of us don't have the money or funds just to throw that out and throw that away. So, but overall, I really don't think influencers are bad people, especially if you go into like the micro influencers, which are people who have about 1,000 to 100,000, which is a very large range. It really depends on the company and who you talk to. Later media has it. 1,000 to 200,000, I believe, and and there's another one that I looked up whose name escapes me. They had 2,000 to, you know, 100,000. That is a micro-influencer. So nonetheless, all these people who may not have the largest followings, those are the people, by high engagement, those are the people that that really kind of have that trust. And again, they're not bad people. They're not these people that are trying to swindle you or help a company swindle you out of $26.2 million, right? These are people that maybe use the products that they are pushing, wear the clothes that they are putting on their social media. For example, if I, which God hoping one day, if I do something with Zenny Optical, that's because I ordered three pairs of glasses from Zenny Optical, and I love them, and it's inexpensive. Like, I can go on and on and on about it. And even though my following is small on Instagram, I feel like people would trust me because I've already bragged about the product not being paid. So if I ever got a chance to partner with them and talked about, you know, their glasses and, and why I choose the styles that I want to, et cetera, et cetera, which if you're watching the video now, these frames are from Zenny Optical, and I love them. I think they were under 20, which is, ooh, amazing. <laughs> but as someone who does wear their, their products, and I do it, and I push it without being paid to and tag them and everything else, if I get a chance to actually work on paid content with them and creating my content, I would get... Ideally, I feel like I would get higher engagement because there's already trust there. My face is there. I'm not just someone who, it's not like out of the blue I started wearing glasses and people are like, when did you wear glasses? You know what I mean? It's it's already trust them. I got a chance to create content with them and for them. and And now I'm sharing it with my audience. And that's how influencing should work. That's exactly how influencers should work. That's why it's not going away because people are wanting to build. And and there are so many reports out there now that people trust those who are pushing a product or promoting a product. I say pushing like it's drugs, and I don't mean it that way. But people who are promoting a product are, are promoting things that they believe in. They're promoting things that they love because heaven forbid they push something like if I started pushing dog food I don't have a dog what am I pushing dog food for you know what I mean I'm probably going to get a cat mainly because they're easier to take care of and I live in an apartment but it wouldn't make sense if I started pushing they'd be like Crystal what are you doing (laughs) so 
again, it's about building trust and being authentic. And whether you have under a thousand followers, if you have 10 million followers, one thing you need to do is be true with the brands and, and companies that you partner with. Is this something or someone that you would use on a daily basis? Is this something that when if I went to your house and I didn't know you on Instagram and I knew you in real life, would you have this product in your cabinet or in your refrigerator or on your shelf? Or is this just something that you're doing because, hey, quick money? I'm not going to start advertising any kind of special diet pills because I'm not taking diet pills. I won't take diet pills. Yes, I talk about wanting to lose weight. No, I'm not going to do it by means of drinking some kind of laxative tea. Instead, I'm going to maybe push a clothing company that's all size inclusive because no matter what size I am, I still need workout clothes to go work out to help meet my goal. You see what I mean? So there's it's again it's the authenticity of the influencer that people connect with more uh so if you're if you're wondering okay should i trust this person or should i not trust this person here are a few things to do google i love google she's available 24 7 she's ready to assist you with your needs you know don't be afraid to look up the history of someone and scratch your head if something seems very fishy it's okay to look at their comments. I actually did this the other day when I saw that somebody had a podcast and they brought somebody on from a company who has publicly been in legal trouble for their business practices. And they were trying to push if working this type of company is good for, would be suitable for you. And I'm like, no, all you have to do is Google this company and you will see a list of complaints and lawsuits and that they're currently in trouble. Why would you have them on your program? Which means if you ever have a product that comes out or if you have a masterclass, which is still a thing, I guess, I'm not going to buy that from you because you have people on your company, whether it's for profit or whether it's for whatever it's for. You have that on there. You have them on your show as part of you for money's sake because you got paid and you don't really care about anything else. And that's a red flag for me. And again, like I said, read the comments on their social about said program, product, event. If you go on Facebook and people are pushing a class or, or a company is pushing a class or an event and people say, hey, I went here and I only saw you speak for five minutes and the program or the the event is $200, it's okay for you to scratch your head. It's okay for you to go, ooh, this person seems shady. It's it's okay to listen to your gut. And if there are any negative comments, because not everybody's happy with everything, are they addressing the comments in a non-combative way? Are they owning up to their bad? <laughs> are they owning up to their mistake? Are they saying, hey, you're absolutely right. It was poorly planned, and that is my fault. We are working to make this event better. Whatever the case is, if they're taking ownership of their mistake, give them the benefit of the doubt and be wary at the same time. I'm not saying go ahead and give them your money, but look at that as a good thing because sometimes people do make mistakes, and sometimes people do fall off and things go out of their control or within their control, and it just goes a completely different way. But if they're owning up to their mistakes, that is something to go, hey, 
all right, well, I respect you for doing that. And, you know, does it seem too good to be true? If they're promising you a MacBook and an iPad and (laughs) all the Adobe programs that run on it, plus a student loan payoff and a new car, you know what I mean? If it sounds that crazy, that level of crazy, it's okay for you to go, nah, no, 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 I don't think so, I'm not doing this. So, you know, take those take those into, into your thought as you're looking to do things with other influencers or participating in their events or their online classes, giving them money that you've worked really hard for. You are a consumer. You are allowed. And I encourage you to be careful with your money. Because when you're careful with your money and you invest it properly, you feel good about it. You will feel good about the the upcoming, about the results that you have, hopefully. And, you know, just you'll you'll feel good. It'll feel like warm fuzzies inside. <laughs> so just understand that. And and you will avoid avoid things if yeah, if you'll avoid things such as being funding somebody else's lifestyle while you're going broke and yours. We don't want to do that. Now if you are an influencer, if you're be- wanting to become an influencer, have a discussion with your brand. Discuss with whoever you're doing content with Ask them questions. Ask them ask them all the questions. It, it's okay because what you're doing is you are protecting, quote, unquote, your brand, right? So if you're asking them things and you try to get stuff in writing, I love a good email. Hey, I would love to work with you. I have a few questions about A, B, C, D. And you are allowed to ask those questions. And if they don't want to answer, you can walk away. I know, I know that money looks good. But sometimes it's not worth ruining your entire reputation just because of a check. And because you know what you stand for, you won't, you're not going to, you're, you're going to be careful and you will know better and demand better from the next brand that you associate yourself with. Another thing to do is try to work on content with them instead of just them saying, here's this post, just post it. Instead, go, hey, I have this, present this idea. Have your network of creatives and say, when you're pitching to them, have a whole storyboard laid out, even if it's a rough storyboard. We just say we'd have a photographer, we would do this, we would do that, we would highlight this part of your brand. And that shows that, A, you're into, it shows that you want to highlight the brand in, in a really good spot, but it also shows that you are willing to create that content and work with and take it seriously. Because what also happens is when you show that content off on your Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on your blog, it shows that you really put thought into it. And that audience is going to look at you a different way and go, this person put thought into this, (laughs) right? So that's something that you want to take care of as well. And engage. Oh my goodness, it is crazy to me how many of these major influencers do not engage with their audience. And that's why being a macro, uh, not a macro, being a micro influencer or what's now a nano influencer, which is less than a thousand followers, that's the huge advantage that they have because they have a high engagement even though their their follower account is low. 
if somebody says, so I have a question about the taste of this flour after I bake it, you know, you're able to come back and you can answer those questions and have a conversation. And that looks really good, not only to the brand, but to your audience. Again, it builds trust. Because of things like Fire Festival, because of these skinny teas that are out that we know most of them are not using and drinking on a daily basis, if you can engage and give honest answers, you will avoid that whole nasty stigma that that's created about influencers. So again, I will encourage you to watch the Fire Festival documentaries. It is unbelievably amazing how the social media marketing worked and how it didn't work at the same time. It is amazing how they try to get rid of negative feedback to try to keep themselves to look good. You can look at the pits and the falls of everything that's happened within it, learn things to avoid, learn things that you can kind of take away from the situation own the truth and you know we can talk about it I might have a I might do an after thing I don't know that's not true (laughs) I know I'm kidding I might do kind of an after show where I talk to a couple of friends about that's actually a really good idea I'm going to do an after show talking to a couple of people on kind of like a joint conference call about fire festival in general and get really deep into it i'm also going to follow up on the caroline um calloway story i think there's a lot more that probably will come out between the time i'm recording this now which is saturday versus you know when it's going to be released which is about wednesday that's my goal that's what i'm hoping for so this episode is done (laughs) no but again thank you thank you thank you so much to Everyone who listened to the first two episodes, I'm still rusty at the podcast thing, so I'm I'm trying to get better. I'm learning a lot more when I listen to my voice and I go, ooh, I said um a lot, which I do, and I still do, and I am working on that. So forgive me as I'm not perfect yet, but I'm, you know, I'm getting there. But no, again, thank you to everyone who's watched, who's rated, Please go and share this episode and all the other episodes um, with your friends. If you're looking for this to be on Spotify, to be on Google Play, I am working on it. This whole podcast thing has been a learn-as-you-go type of situation, which is great. And I think that's about it. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in and live your life every day that will make Beyonce proud. Beyonce proud.